Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roto World Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined this fine Monday by Mr. Denny Carter. We've got a little NFL news to talk about. We've got a lot of NFL GMs article to talk about. My annual um, compendium, Denny, is that too? Uh, uh, too I was going to uh, call it a novella. <laughs> say it's compendium too blowhard. Too uh, what's the word? Too uh, why can't I think of the word? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, elite. Uh, no, know. like not elitist. What is the? Uh, it's not condescending. Um, <laughs> uh, what when you're like a snob? But anyways, it's a compendium. Pretentious. Um, pretentious. There we go. I couldn't think of the word pretentious. Awesome intro to the show here. Yeah, well, I love this. This intro is the best. <laughs> Denny is going to talk to me about my GM's article. We're going to talk a little NFL news first, though. But recent reports: Cream Hunt. Unlikely to resign in Cleveland. We already knew that, but what it might mean for Nick Chubb. What is going on in the Saints' backfield where rookie Kendra Miller is nursing a knee injury and did not participate in rookie OTAs? We have no idea if Alvin Kamara is going to be suspended or not. This is kind of a situation that's been undercovered. Uh, Denny wants to talk about some IGP, Ryan, in Denver, as always. Come on. And there's one more zero RB we might talk about if we have time, but. Yeah, new favorite subject of the show in Galaxy Brains is becoming Rams backup quarterback Stetson Bennett. Yeah. I think we extensively covered on last week's Galaxy Brains his achievement of attending college, of attending university, as it's known in some countries, for over six years and still uh, sans diploma. Uh, no degree. No degree. But in his Rams rookie pictures, it looks like he's still attending college and partying, you had some thoughts on Stetson Bennett's Rams photos that the account tweeted out on Monday. Yeah, you know, I think it's clear. I think it's very, very clear that uh, Stetson Bennett did not hold back uh, the night before the rookie, <laughs> the, the team pictures for the Rams. Uh, he he didn't stop at that 11th beer. He had to have Ooh. the 12th beer and uh, went all in because, boy, my guy looks he looks bachelor party hungover. <laughs> it had been a minimum of 23 hours since his last shave in those photos. Yeah. And, uh, I, he's just, he's just looking, you know, he, he actually looks the kind of hungover where you have all the beers and you don't have any Gatorade and you don't have any Pedialyte, <laughs> not like nothing like not, you like, like old school. We've talked about how like 
our grandfathers would never hydrate while drinking. Never had, like, or, or yeah. when they weren't when they were drinking, or when they weren't drinking. Ever. Never had a glass of water. We've covered that extensively. Right, right. Our, <laughs> the greatest generation <laughs> refused to drink water, which wow. you know you have to respect it. And and uh, yeah, so it looked. That's the kind of hungover he he appears to be in this photo. My, I mean, you you gotta. I just feel like you can't go that hard the night before you're going to have your picture snapped for the official team photo no because then you can just go to the bar right after the photo's taken <laughs> like uh if you're that committed because yeah. you know to him you know sixth year of college just ended like it's right around graduation time he probably is out partying a lot but that's just that the one that's like the one night out of the seven you just gotta take it easy stetson just mm-hmm. just one and he but he seems to be so committed uh to the college lifestyle you know uh, uh just, just someone who it doesn't matter if he's in college, out of college, whatever. He's going to keep keep living that college life. I mean, the guy's 20, what, 26? No. Well, maybe. I think he's like 20. He's at least 24. There's no way we can know this. He is actually uh, a, a member of the greatest generation. Um, uh, he's, oh my gosh. Oh my turning, Lord. He's turning 26 in October. That is actually stunning. He's and turning 26 in October. He's still living like an 18-year-old. Stetson, well, you got to grow up, guy. You got to well, grow up. When you enter the NFL as like a 26 year old quarterback too, like you normally one of the things like the second they pick you, you know, Mel Kiper on ESPN, a maturity, uh, you know, <laughs> decision making. Yeah, uh, he's like a coach on the sideline, and you know that's the first things they say. And yet he's yeah he's still the only Rams rookie looking hungover in his official team. Oh team. my gosh, guy! Yeah, I mean, please, man, please, just uh, you know, you don't have to completely you know call it quits, but. Maybe have one Gatorade. Just one know? Gatorade. But again, we've talked about this on the show way too much. I, did, I don't understand how our grandparents did it. But you just <laughs> you open up grand, grandpa's cupboard. Like, you got any water glasses? Like, water? I mean, glasses. I actually don't understand. I, I, I actually can't comprehend how, like, dudes, you know, 60, 70 years ago used to, like, chug whiskey with no water. None. And you watch shows from even further back then, and you know they didn't even have clean water to drink. No. You know, they, no. They, they, there was no water, so you just drank whiskey. I mean, you got to be in such a state of dehydration, you can barely function. My grandpa lived to the age of ninety-four. Every night with dinner, he had either a stag or a Miller High Life. I mean, not a, not a joke on the two beers, and obviously more than one. And yeah, Hardy and Hale till he was ninety-four. I never once saw the man consume water. No, I yeah. So, I know this. We're gonna keep going about our grandfathers here. My grandfather fainted one time while cutting the grass on, in his enormous yard. Uh, fainted. He was out for I don't even know how long, like twenty minutes. Got up and continued. And I know you say got up and had a beer. No, got up and continued. He didn't drink. He didn't go in and say, "Man, I need some water. I need to hydrate." <laughs> By the way, it's like a hundred degree Maryland day, which yeah, is which yeah. is you know with the humidity is approximately two hundred and ten degrees, and and uh, yeah. So not even then would my grandfather give in and have H two O. He said, "No, no, we keep going. We keep mowing the lawn." I would have been. Uh, I would have had an IV drip in my arm for seventy two hours after that. Denny, I will never quote, just be hydrated. Um, <laughs> I'll never quote, just have literally one glass of water. I will never, ever do that. I don't know. We don't know how they did it. But I tell you what, I don't know what our water addiction is getting us. When, you know, walking around with 200 milliliter, milliliter bottle of water. 
Yeah. And, uh, less well, that, now, now, now the, our whole generation walks around in a state of perpetual panic about whether we're properly hydrated, you know, like, like the, you know, big, big water ha has, has tricked us into thinking that your entire life has to be spent consuming water. It doesn't, but that's how we feel. That's how, that's how, what has been, you know, what, what's been told to us. I asked my, my general practitioner within the past year, how, when, how much water to basically drink? And he said, drink when you're thirsty. Yeah. See, I, I, you, you've, you've told me that and, and I find that hard to believe because I've been told like, even if you're, even if you're peeing like 10 to 15 times a day, it's still not enough. Like yeah. you, you, you got, you got to keep, you got to drink more. Yeah. If you're only drinking when you're thirsty, you're never going to make the Cleveland Browns, but the hydration, uh, hydration schedules, they have these players on now, but someone else not making the Cleveland Browns, Denny in 2023 is Kareem Hunt. Yes. Everything is pointed towards him not resigning in Cleveland. I has generated almost no interest in free agency after a 2022 where his efficiency really fell off a cliff. His counting stats really, really fell off a cliff. It looks like you know, at the very least, he's not coming back to Cleveland. Uh, what does this mean for Nick Chubb? Who you know, is kind of entering like the cliff years for a quarterback. One of the best two down runners in the NFL has always been a reasonably effective pass catcher. The rare times he's been given the chance. Is there any chance we are getting three down Nick Chubb in 2023. Or are we going to get like Jerome Ford, some other change up thrown in behind Nick Chubb? Well, I don't, I don't want to violate federal law. So I do have to just say quickly that Nick Chubb is the best pure rusher. In football. Yes. Uh, so that we have that out of the way, obviously. Uh, I don't, I don't think that this means that Nick Chubb walks into a three down role. And if it does, I'm going to be awfully wrong on Nick Chubb this season uh, the reason I say that is because he's really never been used that way. Um, and his pass catching stats, his peripheral stuff over the years has really painted a picture of a middling, if not, you know, poor pass catcher out of the backfield. I have some numbers to back that up, Pat, if you'd like. Uh, we have uh, in 2022, Nick Chubb was 33rd among 50 qualifying running backs in yards per route run. Uh, in 2021, he was 52nd out of 65 running backs in, in that stat. And then you go, so you go back to 2019. I was reaching. Okay, folks. I was, I was looking for an end to say, Oh, but, but you have this, but maybe Nick Chubb is good out of the backfield in, in 2019, when Nick Chubb saw a career high 49 targets, his yards per route run was, was 37th out of 46 qualifying running backs. So traditionally not a very good option catching the ball out of the backfield. I don't think that he, he takes that role this year. It is interesting with Nick Chubb where he does not pop in the more advanced metrics, but when he actually does catch the ball over the past three years, he's averaged 8.9 yards per catch. We all know yards per catch, the noisiest stat ever. You get yelled at if you ever cite it, but yeah. uh, three over 43 game sample size where he's caught 63 balls. He's averaged nine yards per catch. Uh, which maybe this is, they should design more Nick Chubb receptions. Yeah. Uh, because when you, you're explosive, like rolling ball of butcher knives with the ball in his hand, seems like he might be kind of good with that. And then with maybe you like Derrick Henry, yes, <laughs> you yes. know, uh, yeah, get him in space. That may, it, that might work. I, I I don't think that the team really sees sees him like that, unless you know Kevin Stefanski's view of Nick Chubb has really uh, uh, changed over this this off season, and maybe it has. But you know, Jerome Ford, I think I think could easily take that cream hunt role if you want to call it that um, jerry jerry ford as he's known in the history books jerry yes <laughs> gerald f ford yeah, jerry you ford. know 
so I, I, I do. You know, now you have me trying to come up with a Gerald Ger- Ford <laughs> sorry, joke. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Uh, back to the Cleveland backfield. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I think, you know, in May, we're going to, we're, we're talking about it. We're going to say, oh, well, maybe, well, maybe not. I do think that in the end, we're going to see Nick Chubb take on that best pure rusher role. He's going to be fine at his ADP, you know, fine, good, decent. But I can't see him coming out and, you know, seeing 70, 80 targets in this Cleveland offense. No, and I feel like even if it's not Jerome Ford, the third down back could just easily be someone who's like not on the roster right now. It could be a training camp addition or maybe just some undrafted free agent type addition. I guess isn't is Demetric Felton still on? It could be him. I think John Kelly might still be on the Browns. Yeah, he is. Uh, also, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't it a narrative during Deshaun Watson's time in Houston that he didn't target running backs? Well, yeah, I mean, like now? most, yeah, like most mobile quarterbacks, he he has traditionally not checked down to to running backs. And yeah, Fel- Felton's Felton's on the roster. Ford's on the roster. Uh, some other names I don't really recognize. So John but Kelly, I, the ex Ram. Great is on the roster, but I, I I just don't I just I think we do we tend to do this in the fantasy industry every offseason where we say, well I don't see any great names behind this great player, so therefore the great player is going to see all the action, all the snaps, all the touches, everything, and it just so rarely works out that way. I mean, just because we just because we don't know, you know, doesn't mean yeah, that yeah, yeah. who doesn't love Jerome Ford. And Nick Chubb, he's 27 with five years of NFL service time. Multiple coaching staffs have pigeonholed him as a two-down back. The coaching staff, it just they don't change the way they view running backs. It's honestly kind of crazy. They just never, ever no. change the way they view running backs. And yeah, that, that's right. It is practically impossible. I will say maybe Nick Chubb could reach 30 receptions for the first time since 2019, which would be a big deal. Uh, I mean, there's a big difference. Even 20, the difference from 20 to 30 receptions makes – Fairly large difference in PPR. Yeah, and if you can somehow get to forty, then then you like you're actually kind of talking a little bit. Oh but sure. If he caught forty balls, which is within, maybe they don't even want him to be the third down back, but to say Jerry Ford doesn't run with this job, Felton doesn't run with the job, mm-hmm. undrafted free agent, maybe they just could get forced into targeting Nick Chubb and forty receptions wouldn't be like a crazy outcome for Nick Chubb. I, I will it, say it that. I think it's that that's on the you know. That's 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 the upside, really, um, and, and that would be awesome if you're if you're taking Nick Chubb at ADP and he gets forty catches. But even I mean, even if he gets like a, a little bit of that former Kareem Hunt role, then um, yeah, he can he can ex- exceed his ADP and prove a, a slight value. I mean, you know, we're talking about a guy who's going to be drafted in the second round of every draft in in, in the world. True. So we're talking about a backfield one unsettled role. Now we want to talk. I wanted to talk about just a completely unsettled backfield. One we have somehow have not really talked about on the show, mm-hmm. the New Orleans Saints backfield. And was one reason is because we don't actually know what's going to happen to Alvin Kamara. You know, widespread belief there's going to be a suspension for his role in a, a 2022 or, or like Las Vegas parking lot brawl, uh, where I think he injured someone rather severely. Yeah, and was, yeah. we've been expecting a suspension in that case forever. It was never expected to be last year. It is expected to be this year. But there just haven't been any updates in the case whatsoever on the legal front, on the NFL front. But it seems sort of safe to assume at least a four-game suspension, maybe a six-game suspension. Maybe it's only two games, depending on what the league can find. But we don't know Alvin Kamara's availability for the upcoming season. We do know they signed last year's touchdown leader in Jamal Williams. We also know it's always been a two-man backfield. 
Dennis Allen is not reinventing the wheel post Sean Payton. And he seems to do everything Sean Payton did only slightly worse. And <laughs> like, there's going to be a two man backfield. Jamal Williams is definitely the one B going to be the one a, if there's a suspension, but then there's also a sixth round rookie, Kendra Miller. Or excuse, uh, yeah. Sixth round rookie. Was he sixth round? Um, I think so. Rookie Kendra Miller, who we talked about on the show before the draft kind of hyped, kind of, uh, kind of a man of some yeah. renown in the uh-huh. prospect circles, Denny. And I just don't know how, excuse me, round three, I said sixth round for Kendry Miller. So that's serious drafts capital. So we have serious draft capital running back. We have serious free agent addition in Jamal Williams, and we have serious uncertainty with Alvin Kamara. How in the world should we approach this backfield in summer drafts? I mean, I, I, in best ball, I think you have to scoop up Jamal Williams where he's going right now uh, on underdog and, uh, because as soon as that suspension comes down for Kamara, whether it's four games or six or whatever, you know, Jamal Williams ADP skyrockets um, at, at, at that point. And um, maybe Kendra Miller becomes, you know, s- somewhat interesting. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, the the Saints would use Jamal Williams as their primary, as as their lead back. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean he's he's going to be force fed, you know, targets and receptions. Uh, in that offense, he's not going to like absorb all of the the uh, pass catching role that Alvin Kamara has uh, in, in that offense. But I think it becomes really, really interesting. Even even though it would be short term, you know, like Kamara would, would be back by what, like Halloween or so, and then Jamal Williams would revert to something something else. Pro- but probably still, you know, getting a lot of high value looks uh, inside the ten, which is how he was used in Detroit. Um, can't pencil him in for 18 touchdowns, obviously, but I, I don't think that his ADP will require him to score 18 touchdowns to be a good pick. So th- that's good. And then on the Kamara front, look, if he gets suspended for six games, whatever, and he falls to a certain point in the draft where you're like, well, I mean, I can stash him and then get him back down, down the, down the stretch. You're, you're cringing. And I'm saying as a zero, yeah, I'm saying eh, it might be interesting. You never know. Well, someone who looked done last year and then being suspended for six games would be basically half the fantasy season. That would be a basically not at any price for me. There would be really? no, no, no. I mean, we had the least efficient season of Alvin Kamara's career yeah. last year. Uh, a guy who's just r- r- racked up so many touches, played through a lot of minor injuries. Even if he's not suspended, Alvin Kamara is like getting pretty close to on my do not draft list. Kind of like no matter the circumstance. I guess I'd be more likely to draft him if he did get suspended, though. Because then more a lot of people will take the initial view I just have where they're like totally off Alvin Kamara and yeah, value think, could uh, develop. So what if he fell? So Kamara right now, and again, we, we don't know anything, is going as RB31, which is pretty pretty. It does seem low. low. <laughs> um, and so what if he dropped to like – like RB like 45 and like the Jalen Warren, Der- uh, Jarek McKinnon. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's a total no brainer actually. But then you would take, you would take <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Jamal Even- Williams is going in that range right now, by the way. Seems very, very low for Jamal Williams who, by the way, I mean, the lions basically stopped using him as a pass catcher, but the Packers were always kind of obsessed with him as a pass catcher. He never had yeah. like 50 receptions, but for being a number two back, like he was always catching like 30 to 35 passes. And you could definitely see some of that coming back in New Orleans, especially because I think the book on Kendra Miller is that he's not a pass catcher and like isn't someone who's going to really to grow into that role. So while if 
and while Alvin Kamara's out, Jamal could be like like a stunning PPR life yes. hack, basically. And the kind of thing like where you don't like it at all, but this is what peak PPR <laughs> yeah. performance looks like. You don't have to like it. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, look, Jamal Williams is never going to like set the world on fire with uh, advanced metrics or peripheral stats. Like n- none of that is ever going to pop off the screen. You're going to, oh, well, this guy's making the most of his time. He's not. But but like in a in a Saints offense that should be pretty balanced here, maybe maybe I'm I'm not giving enough credit to Derek Carr, which wouldn't be the first time. But no, um, no, no. It, it should it should be pretty balanced. I I think I think Jamal Williams is is just force fed, and you you're not going to be able to to rely on that all season, obviously with Kamara coming back from suspension. But I mean it's it'd be pretty nice to get a month or a month and a half of that sort of production for for your fantasy team, and and then go from there. It seems like Jamal Williams is being grossly underdrafted. Because I agree. Even if Alvin Kamara doesn't get suspended, we know the Saints have traditionally liked to pair him with a more bruising early down running back, and that that really kind of went askance the past two years because of injury issues behind Kamara. And but like, the, it seems like they want to return to that, and then it just seems like he's going to get suspended. And also, as we've been talking, Kendra Miller just kind of seems like a no go. Which I, I guess his ADP is not not anything of note right now, but. He's a two-down guy, and like behind a really ultimate two-down guy and Jamal Williams. Uh, so even if Alvin Kamara gets suspended, a guy he'd be behind Jamal Williams on early downs, and then just doesn't catch passes. He did not catch passes um, right. at all in TCU. And Kendra Miller, he he's like a fun, flashy rookie, but that it might not amount to much in 2023 redraft. You know, uh, I'll have to do some some work on this, but I, I do believe Derek Carr is a fan of checking down to his running backs. So that, that, that could be fun for whoever has that role. And by the way, it's good. It's good that Alvin Kamara could be getting out of that early down between the tackled banger yeah. role because that's not him. And no. Dennis Allen, the, the least creative, most uninteresting coach in recent league history – just said, hey, we're just going to give it to our best running back straight up the gut for three yards every time, uh, and it's not it's not working out, and it's probably taking years off of Alvin Kamara's career. Yeah, it's a real shame. So uh, hopefully we get more information on that Saints backfield, which was always as opaque as it gets under Sean Payton. Maybe Dennis Allen will continue to tip his hand a little more, but I guess we shouldn't hold our breath. Uh, New Orleans is always just a total information vacuum, kind of an undercovered team too. So it is. Um, it is. Maybe we will not get any more information on that. Uh, Denny has just forced me to talk about Samaji P. Ryan again. Where the, the athletic? You actually did not. Uh, the athletics. Nick Cosmiter. I can't. Cosmiter. Cosmiter has reported that Samaji P. Ryan will quote have a significant role in the Broncos' offense, and just all signs do continue to point this way with. The reports in Javante Williams' knee not being great, even though then Sean Payton did claim it was fine. Sean Payton is just truly the worst conduit for injury information in the entire NFL. You basically pay like no attention to anything he says about injuries. Uh, It's just like not worth it. Yeah, and he he's been talking up some IGP Ryan. You know, this is Sean Payton is like such a my guys type of guy, and Samaji P Ryan signed after Sean Payton was hired. Like it seems like he's clearing out the riffraff that was there before him, and he's just gonna love Samaji P Ryan. And it's basically, how do we keep proper drafting perspective with Samaji P Ryan? Denny, how high is too high? How how low is too low? Yeah, I mean P Ryan's going at RB thirty five in best ball right now, which is like 
Rashad Penny, Brian Robinson range. I think that's that's a little presumptuous, maybe. Uh, I think that uh, the P Ryan heads are are maybe getting a little ahead of their skis, including myself, pro- probably. But I mean, this report from the Athletic was was something. It wasn't nothing. And here's what uh, here's what Cosmider said that P Ryan should be quote a fixture in the Denver offense, regardless of Javante Williams' uh, health. Uh, Sean Payton said, we signed him because we knew he was durable and reliable. We felt like we got another solid runner who's built in a strong way. And he he is built. I can confirm. He he is a very strong runner. Cosmider said that P. Ryan should see as much or more involvement in the offense uh, as any time in his career, uh, including his rookie season in, in Washington, where uh, he saw uh, 197 touches that season uh, in, in Washington. You know, I, I I think in your in your more casual leagues, I imagine Samaj P. Ryan is gonna be underdrafted. In your big brain leagues, could yeah. be overdrafted. Uh, that's probably a very, very fair side. And this that's like a lot of times how these cases go. And it is this Samaj P. Ryan to take one of the, the great best ball cliches and applying it to redraft too. Like, what do you win when you win with Samaj P. Ryan? It's like even if like the best case scenario comes true. It's like, what is that really going to get you? Because <laughs> he's mm-hmm. just not a very good runner. Like, he can catch a ball. He can do the small things yeah, at this yeah. point. But it's just like, what even is the ultimate upside of Samadji Piran? I am struggling to see it, Denny Carter. <laughs> I'm not struggling to see yeah, it. No, but but I, I, do th- I do think there's a point where you look at the at ADP or draft and you're saying, uh, okay, like let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Like Javante Williams didn't retire. Okay, like he's gonna eventually be back, probably. But he's so. heel, I've been told. So, and, and but you know, I mean, then you think, well, J.K. Dobbins wasn't right until December last year, and it's similar. It's a similar situation. So, are you gonna get three months of P. Ryan as the primary back? Yeah, man. We'll Many see. are asking this. I would People. just ask questions. People are asking, and we're looking into it very powerfully. We're trying <laughs> a new – we have a, an emerging Denny threat here, uh, an emerging storyline that Denny could be talking about the rest of the summer where former Patriots running back coach Ivan Fears has talked up. He said he thinks Ty Montgomery has, quote, a great chance to be the third down back and take some of the load off from Andre Stevenson, and, which is – Eyebrow raising. Ivan Fears is like bleeds Patriot blue, but he he does not work for the team right now. And the team does have Ramondre Stevenson. They have second year players, Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris, both of whom showed something as a rookie. They have James Robinson, who they signed this offseason. I know Bill, Bill, Ty Montgomery seems like someone Bill Belichick like really wanted to make happen. Yeah. And like, like would just, in his soul, he wanted Ty Montgomery to be a thing, but he just couldn't make it happen. And I am highly skeptical that Ty Montgomery is going to emerge with a role in this backfield. What do you think, Dang? I mean, I think we're, we are going to get reports this spring and summer, probably all the way up until the season, being like, look, Ramondre Stevenson is not going to get every single touch in this backfield. And the, you know, and the response to that is, yes, that's, that's true. <laughs> that sounds reasonable, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he's, he's not going to see 745 touches this year we we can't we're not projecting him for that and and so you i think you just let that kind of roll off to the roll off your back i don't know however however the phrase goes and then and then you 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 march on you march on and you and you take stevenson you don't worry about it 
I really think it is one of those situations where the coaches are telling the truth and they don't, they don't realize they're like, I think it's one of those situations where they actually don't even realize that what they're saying will like create a reaction, but where they're just stating a fact like, well, someone else has to touch the ball. Can't just be Ramondre all the time. I think that's right. To them, they're just stating a simple fact. And then in fantasy, we're like, oh my God. Yes. What? And like, we freak out. I don't know. And and yeah. And where the coaches like don't even realize what they're saying is like a big deal because they're just like, wait, well, yeah, it's not going to get 30 touches a game. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Ivan Fears is grinding uh, uh, fantasy drafts no. this summer. So he's going to say, yeah, yeah, Ty Montgomery, 30 year old journeyman. He he might see the field yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you yeah. never know. You never know. So, uh, but Stevenson was, was good as a pass catcher. There's just, there's not, there's not much reason to think that the team is going to move away from, from Stevenson. That is until. Of course, he misses one blitz pickup, and then yeah, he will, he will, and then he will play in the USFL. Ty <laughs> so Montgomery is thirty with a very very bad injury history. Like we're talking Four. really bad. He missed almost all of last season. I forget with what the injury even was, but is a very long and concerning injury history. And in that he must be like Ivan's guy. Like Ivan must really like Ty Montgomery. Yeah. One thing like throwing him a solid, but. It was a shoulder injury that kept him out for basically all of 2022. So, you know, actually, now that you, you mentioned that, I think Ivan Fears had some things to say about Ty Montgomery last summer where he was. Are you serious? This, this, this Ty Montgomery guy, look out. My guy, my yeah. guy, Ty. But yeah, so I wouldn't get to, even though it is the Patriots where we want to panic, we want to seize on every little thing. Every little backfield clue. Probably is just nothing to see here with Ty Montgomery. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm looking back at, at uh, Stevenson's blurbs from last summer, and it's the same same stuff we're gonna hear all all of the, throughout this summer. Is like is like, well, they're gonna find ways to take them off the field at some point. So yeah, but let's not panic, and let's also take a quick break. Where we're gonna come back, and Denny is gonna grill me mm-hmm. on my my annual general general manager rankings. Every season is draft season. Get your Roto World Draft Guide bundle today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. It's packed with profiles, rankings, and projections. Order today and get all three Roto-World draft guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code BARRY to save an extra 20% off at checkout. That is promo code B-E-R-R-Y to save an extra 20% off at checkout. And don't forget, download the Roto-World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It is available in your app store today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Danny, I promoted the draft guide. Uh, how you doing on your assignments? Oh, man, I'm I'm basically all done with them except for, let me check, Oh, everything. I still have to do everything. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking very, very, as powerfully as I ever have at beginning my draft guide <laughs> assignments. <laughs> And uh, we've never looked into anything more strongly than me maybe <laughs> beginning my draft guide assignments after this podcast ends, actually. That's actually um, a great – no, I, I, I'm, I'm actually making making good progress. Uh, I figured you're never behind. You're not a true writer. You're always ahead of schedule. No, uh, I know. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm all – you're right. And when I worked at a community newspaper out of college, I would be done with my stuff like 24 hours before I needed to, and everybody else in the newsroom would yeah. give me a pretty hard time. Uh, I'm uh, what you'd call a deadline guy. <laughs> and, uh, is that, um, is that you? I see you at a typewriter smoking cigarettes and, and drinking coffee. Well, that and too, you always know when anyone in any position of power gives you a deadline, you know, it's not the actual deadline. No. You know that they're holding something back. That was always a problem. Our former boss, Ed Williams, had with me <laughs> that he knew that I always knew the real deadline and it was not what he said. And that actually was a very common method he used was <laughs> using fake deadlines. Ed was uh, Ed was pleasantly surprised with my magazine output yes. in uh, uh, the first year I was here, and I was like, "What? I turned it on time." He was like, "Well, <laughs> congratulations, you're the only one." <laughs> you do have stunning uh, draft guide, but yeah, been working. The, the reason I have not begun my draft guide assignments because I was uh, doing everything I could to get these GM rankings done. I didn't get them out until July last year. Mm-hmm. That was a little too late. I wanted to be kind of more in like the, the GM conversation, which kind of comes up post-draft. We're still talking mm-hmm. about NFL front offices right now. So, yeah, I ranked all 30 returning NFL general managers, even the ones where we only have like one year of, of data. Kind of like you kind of hedge your bets with those guys. So I'm getting yelled at by Giants fans. That I have like Joe Shane too low mm-hmm. or that I have uh, I have Questy too low in Minnesota. But because, you know, it's one year and it's like uh, – we don't have a ton to go on yet, but I ranked all 30 returning GMs, wrote up the two new GMs. You know, I tried to I tried to just give a snapshot of where this front office is at this moment in time, basically, is what I do with this piece. Well, I think I think everyone's takeaway from these rankings will be that you hate their team. I, so, yeah, I will say some years the article goes supernova. Some years it's more muted. It has gone supernova this year and uh, <laughs> where lions fans are just like aghast that i have brad holmes 13th and like in my head i'm like this guy's been a gm two years and they've won 12 games it's pretty like, strong sign of faith for me that i'm putting him 13th yeah like uh like he is off to a really good start to his career but it's, it hasn't been perfect he all he drafted a receiver with a torn acl in the first round then he drafted a change of pace running back in the first round uh but I still, I really like him, but, uh, and like, so that one's been big. Uh, people, for some reason, Seahawks fans who for years and years and years, like you have John Snyder too high. Why are you keeping John Snyder anywhere near the top <laughs> 10? This year I have him number nine. And like you, you, you trade Russell Wilson one time 
And all of a sudden, you were back to being the best GM in the NFL, <laughs> according to Seahawks fans. But only because Wilson was bad, though. If he if he had had some success, even some success. In oh Denver, my gosh, that's such a good point. Yeah, then then Schneider, it would have been Schneider. Get get him out. Can, we gotta we gotta start over. We gotta reset. And uh, then also anyway. every year, every single year, and this one is a much more interesting conversation because I think it is a legitimate conversation. Uh, I have people tell me I have Bill Belichick way too high. Bill Belichick ranked as the number seven GM in the NFL. And I, I, I couldn't help but quote tweet someone who responded to me. They said, they said, they said, Bill Belichick is an absolutely awful GM. I was like, yeah, he's uh, so bad. He drafted the greatest player in league history and then successfully built the greatest two decade dynasty in league history around him. Seems like a really, really bad GM. And even after Tom Brady has been gone, he's uh, made the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. And then almost made the playoffs again last year. Seems like such a horrible GM. But, of course, we know there are things that Bill does quite poorly yeah. as a GM. So that, that one is a really interesting conversation and an annual criticism of the article. We're but anyways, uh, here you have some questions for me, Danny. Yeah, I mean, we, we're still waiting on Bill Belichick's second good draft. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll see if he can come up with that at some we'll point. See, we'll see if he ever has a second good decision. That is a good point. I, listen, I have no issue with the, the, the top of your uh, ranks here. You know, you, you have Howie Roseman at one, uh, Brett Veach and Andy Reid at two, uh, Lynch and Shannon at three. Now, <clears throat> I get to four. I get to four, and Uh-oh. I see Brand- Brandon Bean and, and Sean McDermott, okay? And not that they've done a, 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 poor, a poor job, here by any means i mean they they have a, a an annual a perennial contender and you mentioned that it's like almost not fair that they you know they they, they land on a franchise quarterback and and now they're expected to uh compete for the super bowl every year no matter what but you also mentioned later in your breakdown of the bills and their roster uh decisions that they're they, they seem to be taking kind of a band-aid approach uh, to putting together a, a roster that can compete with the Bengals, with the Chiefs, and, and get to that Super Bowl finally. My question is, can the Band-Aid thing actually work when you're facing such elite competition? Well, I think it's just what I kind of said with the Band-Aid thing, too, that it's this kind of an unfortunate byproduct of their success where they built this super impressive core, but now it's really expensive. It's it's a really kind of inflexible. Like it's not like you can like cut like Stefan Diggs or that you'd even want to or anything. Like, well, there's not there's not a lot of like places to go right now for like money in the salary cap cookie jar kind of. So I feel like they're kind of limited, especially after the Von Miller. So so they last year I talked about how they went for like the band aids, but and also bold flourishes. I said they went for finishing touches and bold flourishes. Like a finishing touch was kind of OJ Howard. That didn't work at all. The bold flourish was Von Miller, which was was working reasonably well until he tore his ACL. But then the injury happened. It just didn't pan out. And it kind of because this really expensive core, which is understandable. Uh, they're trying to maximize their championship window with Josh Allen. But now he's no longer on his rookie contract. So it's just kind of limited their flexibility. And what I was trying to say is that that it's it's you can criticize them for taking the Band-Aid approach but it's just kind of like a product of their their own the victim of their own success right now in that regard where there, there's only so many ways they can really improve this roster with the lack of salary cap flexibility and now since they're winning 13 games every year they're getting bad draft picks so it's kind of like only so right. much they can do and so like this is what something that always happened to Bill Belichick by the way they're always picking like 27th so you kind of like get tempted 
like, well, you know what? We got to shoot from the moon with those first round picks. We're not going to get a guaranteed hit. So we got to do something crazy. We got to take, say, a catch first tight end who is Mike Jacecki 2.0 and Dalton yeah. Kincaid. Yeah. So but yeah, they're kind of victims of their own success right now, I would say, the Bills front office. Yeah, I just, I've actually seen some Bills fans sort of refreshingly this offseason criticize the team's approach to team building and say, like, you know, what, what we're doing is not going to compete. We're not going to be able to knock off the Chiefs. And that's what this comes down to. I mean, there is kind of a nightmare scenario in which Josh Allen goes his entire prime of his career and a prime for, for a mobile quarterback who throws his body uh, in, into defenders with reckless abandon might not be that long, honestly. No. Uh, and, they, and, they, and they've talked about it. They've talked about that openly this, this offseason. Eh, maybe Josh needs to tone, uh, take, you know, tone it down a little bit. What I'm saying is there's a scenario in which he goes his whole prime without getting over the top of Mahomes, of Burrow. And that's kind of tragic, right? I, I, and I, I just don't, I don't see how, how the bills, how the team they're building can, can get over, can, can beat the chiefs, can beat the Bengals and, and get to the promised land. I just don't know if they can do it. And there's, they're kind of just in too deep right now too, which you could say is their fault, but I do think it's just still more about like uh, they've had a lot of successful decisions that ended up being very expensive decisions and that just really limits their flexibility. But yeah, I, t- I mean, they have a Cam Newton window with Josh Allen. It's not yeah. like an Aaron Rodgers window um, or a Peyton Manning window where, where it's just open, you know, basically until the end of time. Uh, it, it is going to be a more limited window with Josh Allen. And yeah, I think they, they did, I feel like, kind of misdiagnose their roster last year where they thought it was like very structurally sound when the offensive line ended up being not very good and the pass catching depth was like close to non-existent. And now they're kind of between a rock and a hard place, but they've still given themselves a lot of elite talent and there are worse plans than basically running it back with that elite talent and yeah. making minor moves around it. Yeah. All right. My next, my next uh, issue uh, here was at number seven with Les need and Sean, Sean McVay, or I'm sorry, number six. Yeah. No, number six. Um, right above uh, Belichick. Curious. I did. Yeah. That's uh, very curious. Despite Belichick winning all the Super Bowls. Oh, well. Uh, so my, my, my question for you is simply, uh, look, the Rams have the worst roster in the NFL. How are they number six? It is crazy because it is if they hadn't won the Super Bowl, the entire narrative about the Rams roster would be totally different. And I, I led my Rams write up with, you know, the weirdest part about the Rams Super Bowl, or bu- Super, Super Bowl or bust approach wasn't that it worked. It was that how much of it didn't work. Yeah. Like how many huge, like really big Sean McVay swings just did not land. Like acquiring Sammy Watkins, trading for Brandon Cooks, extending Todd Gurley, you know, making luxury picks like Tutu Atwell. And so like it almost didn't work. And But you can't – it did work. They met the ultimate goal that so few front offices meet. But two, I think they could have done it in a way – that was less costly to their future roster building where the Rams made 11 day two picks. So they had no first rounders. We know they haven't had a first round pick since Jared Goff in 2016. They made 11 day two picks between 2019 and 2022. Two of them were running backs, which was the same number as offensive linemen. And they only took one edge rusher. So you're like the only premium premium assets they had, they were doing things like taking Tutu Atwell and Van Jefferson and basically not trying to replenish offensive line depth, 
not trying to replenish edge rushing depth. Very, very curious way to build a team. Uh, I think they thought they would kind of be like the Saints or the Steelers where they could just keep this up in in perpetuity, like, you know, charge card living basically. And they, they bit off even more than the Saints and the Steelers did, and now they're paying the price. I mean, I I would have thought that they would be in teardown mode by now. And I, I I feel like they're they're just barely holding that off. Like they're they're sticking all sorts of gum in the dam hoping that it'll it'll hold up. It's gonna break. It's gonna break. They're gonna have to get rid of Stafford one way or the, or another. They're probably gonna have to deal cup at some point, not this season or anything, but like they're gonna have to clean house. McVeigh's gonna be gone, of course. He's gonna go sub- bankrupt some other oh, team. Come on, oh, man. Um, but <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's time. It's time to pull the plug. This experiment is over. This team stinks. Well, we'll see. I think they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They traded Jalen Ramsey as like part of quasi rebuilding step, and then I, I think they're in. I, I I think they must think they have like a true like. Uh, like I don't even know, like life hack quarterback and Stetson Bennett. I think they drafted Stetson Bennett fully intending for him to start games. In I do too. Like I think they think they're basically like cheating the system, like one step ahead of the law, and they're like they're the only teams that properly evaluated Stetson Bennett. So I, I do think they're trying to have their cake and eat it too when it comes to a rebuild. One thing we can say about Les Snead and Sean McVay is they care not about the analytics no they, do they don't give a crap about the analytics i'm watching my language here but they where for a forward-looking young guy sean McVay has never seen a number that he loves to ignore that he doesn't love to ignore well I guess mean, what guess what computer cowboy they want a super bowl uh, <laughs> so. which is the worst yeah. i hate that the rams want a super bowl they want a super bowl so uh, who, who's triggered now so stetson if you're listening you're going to start this year Lay off the beers. Yeah, you gotta. It just I mean you can have beers, but I or mean, just or have a Gatorade. Yeah, like, have one Gatorade after you have the beers. I think it's the takeaway. All right, we're on. We're on to Brad Holmes in Detroit. So you know, uh, how my my question I guess with Brad Holmes is, how can a general manager with such apparent understanding of roster building completely blow a top pick on a running back? Yeah, uh, and then be so happy about it. I mean, the guy was thrilled. I, you know, you saw the video. He's slamming the table. Like you, you took okay. You, you took Jameer Gibbs. And no one was going to take him there. I mean, you didn't. You didn't snatch him. You, he, 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 you reached for him. You reached big time. So how how, how did this happen? And can Brad Holmes recover from this? I think Brad Holmes basically just decided they were much further ahead in the rebuild than anyone else thought. And where he did, he's got like building blocks like all over the team basically where they got the offensive line building block and Penny Sewell. They have a, a really great overall offensive line. They got the defensive line building block and Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, they got some like down ballot guys. Kirby Joseph had a pretty promising rookie year in the secondary. They've kind of got talent at all three levels of the defense. They had a home run day two pick and Amon Ross St. Brown to be kind of like a signature skill weapon basically. I think the way he's probably was looking at it is that they already have like an anchor talent in basically all their position groups. And that I, I think they think they were just done with like the nitty gritty of team building and they can kind of get into the finishing touches phase that I referenced. And it's, I think it, so they took an off ball linebacker and they took a change of pace running back. And 
I, I do think it was very much the incorrect way to do this. They entered the draft with the number six and 12 picks, where I think they either needed to trade up for a quarterback and say, take Anthony Richardson. Because it's to, not only what I think these two picks said in Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell wasn't just that, like they're taking, they're making like what amount to first round luxury picks. That's also like a huge vote of confidence in Jared Goff. It is. Whereas yeah. I view Jared Goff's 2022 as basically an outlier. Like this is a guy who it's already been proven. Like he has to be put over the top. Like he won't put you over the top. He's aging. He's in his thirties almost. If he's, if he's not, he's almost there. And like last year, it just smacked of an outlier to Jared Goff for me, where they've decided he's at least the answer for two to three more years. And I think they should have kept their premium draft capital if they weren't going to trade it for a quarterback and taken like this more linemen, more like uh, premium position players. But I guess he just thought the roster was done. And he's had a really, really good two years. And it's going to be really fascinating to see if he was correct. Yeah, I mean, last year, golf, I'm just looking at his 2022 numbers. He basically got back to like his prime LA numbers as far as like adjusted yards per attempt and touchdown rate and everything. So it's nothing, it's nowhere he hasn't been before, but I, I do see your point. He probably probably was an outlier. You you wrote in the piece, which obviously I recommend everybody check out. You say uh Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell had done nearly everything right up until this offseason. That calls for benefit of the doubt. Doubt is just the natural state of being with a franchise that hasn't gotten out of its way since 1991. So, and and that, that's kind of a, as I was reading this and thinking about the lions that, that kind of crept into my mind where I'm thinking, well, of course we're, of course we're saying, well, this is probably a disaster because it's the lions and it always ends in disaster for them. Uh, and they never do anything right. So, so you, you do, I think that colors the way you see this decision to draft Jameer Gibbs in the first round. And also maybe colors the way they're doing it. They're like, we're like, we got to seize the day. Like this is the Detroit lions. Like we, if we think of windows here now, like we can't wait around to, for the quarterback to fall in our lap. We can't risk an even bigger, yeah. like miss, like trading up for Anthony Richardson and just having him be a huge bust. We're going to take these two guys we like in the first round. We don't care if you don't draft off ball linebackers and change the pace running backs. And we're trying to finish this roster we think is really good. I, you know, and I, I'm sure this will be rubbed in our face if the Lions like get off to an eight no start and Jameer Gibbs is lighting the league on fire, which he could, he could because he seems to be very, very good and everything points to him being an incredible player and athlete and everything. Okay, and they're playing in a, I think a, 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 a pretty soft NFC North, like uh, an NFC North that can be had easily with, with no Aaron Rodgers with. The Bears, who knows what, what what they're trying to do? It's it's hard to say. It's hard uh, to say. With, with uh, the Vikings, the most fraudulent team in the NFL. So, yeah, I I think that that they that it could work out for this year. But man, spending that kind of draft capital on running back is is questionable. All right, uh, my last question had to do with the 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 Broncos here uh, about uh, George Patton and uh, and and Sean Payton. You, you this is what you wrote about. George Patton, uh, you said Patton's job is already on life support. In fact, it's quite possible there is already already no path forward for Patton in the Mile High City. If Wilson remains, if Russell Wilson remains in irreversible decline, it sets up a power struggle Sean Payton cannot lose. If he rebounds to become a star again in Payton's system, it sets up a power struggle Patton can't win. And I, I can't argue against that. You are right. George Patton is finished in this town. 
And it's like, I did not go into the piece with that thought at all. Right. Like I just went into the piece like, all right, he's had a rough couple of years. And then it did dawn on me that, yeah, there is almost no path. The path forward, as I write in the article, is that he convinces Sean Payton that basically he's a worthy number two for Sean Payton. Yeah. Like Sean Payton is making so much money. The roster is so flawed. Like he he's like the imperial king of this roster. Yeah. And basically Patton is just completely at his mercy. And the, yeah, it's basically Patton's job right now is to prove to Sean Payton, like I will be a, a very, very valuable underling for you. Right. And cause yeah, it is, it is truly lose, lose, no matter which way it goes this year, either Sean Payton thinks he's the hero or they need, they need a goat and it's, it's George Patton. Yes, absolutely. And by the way, you ranked uh, Patton 29th. Uh, just below, which this is this is this is a, a shot across the bow for the Broncos. You ranked him below Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, who you are for whom you are not fans. Uh, no, and so yeah, that's Patton's down bad. I can't imagine that lasting too much longer. But honestly, whoever acquires Russell Wilson and then has to live through the horror that was 2022 doesn't have much shot of of making it. I think long term no. in that job. I mean that. That's a that's a swing and a miss, unlike something you'll see in a generation, really. And do you disagree that, like, say they just bounce back this year? Am I just like incorrect that like it's Sean Payton who's the hero, and like if Sean Payton though like wants his own Mickey Loomis, like they are yeah. they're gonna let him fire George Patton. Like they're they just he basically is just in a situation where he does not matter right now. George Patton. Sean, listen, Sean Payton is like very clear about like my my way or the highway. Like I, yes. I didn't. I didn't come here to work with anybody. I'm, there will be no working with anyone here. It's it's what I say goes, uh, and and that's it. And you called him an imperial coach. That's that's exactly what it is. And honestly, the imperial coaching stuff, I, I don't know. I don't know if it has a great track record. It's it's coming. It's been back for a while. I will say where this is another thing I always get into people with about the GM article. Where like, sometimes I consider people to basically be the GM, or they don't necessarily agree with like the Chiefs. Like I put Brett Veach's name on there too, but I mean I consider Andy Reid the GM. Like he, I just Probably. he is for all intents and purposes the GM. Kyle Shanahan for all intents and purposes is the GM. I had lots of people today. I the 49ers was getting some pushback on too because I have them number three. All the pushback was of course about the quarterback fiasco, but I mean they've done almost everything else right. Where they have this, such a ridiculously loaded and talented roster yeah. that could be coming to an end. They've traded so many premium draft picks. Uh, where, like they've turned off basically the draft pick spigot, but like <laughs> yeah. Kyle Shanahan is the GM. Sean McDermott used to be the GM in Buffalo. I've kind of lost track there. Who's really in charge though, in that front office between Sean McDermott, but like too, like the Rams, I'm not going to pretend Les Snead is the GM. Like he's just not the no. GM. <laughs> That's like, not, there's no, no point. I don't put I, Pete Carroll. I used to always put on there. I think Pete Carroll is still the GM in Seattle too. I don't think it's John Snyder. I, I'd, I'd lean that way for sure. Well, I, I anyway, the listeners have to check this out. You you are right. I, I can confirm this is going supernova on Twitter yes. and other channels. There, there are radio stations in my region talking about it right now. Uh, so check it out. The GM rankings article. It's on NBCSportsEdge.com. St- definitely read all 7,000 words. It, I wish that that was an exaggeration. It is actually not. It <laughs> it's is. Not. <laughs> uh, it's not for the faint of heart. You don't have to read the whole thing. You can do Control F. You you're gonna parachute yeah. in. And you just gonna read Eric DaCosta's. Um, and yeah, the, by the way, producer Adam reminds me the link to the article will be in the podcast yeah. write up. 
So okay. if you're listening and you want to check it out, it, it will be in the write-up on iTunes or wherever you check out your podcast. So check out the link there. And Danny, here's what to do. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, of course, of course. You, here's what you do. Control F, look for your team's GM, get super mad online, and go to Twitter at RotoPat. And true. then just fire, fire away. <laughs> it's true, actually. By the way, real quick, if I had asked you before you read my article what you thought the worst front office in the NFL is, what would you have responded? With the worst in the – I mean, probably the Broncos. Okay. So good. Um, I was on to something there then. Yeah, probably the Broncos. But I mean, uh, I, I, I struggle with the Steelers. I struggle struggle to give Ooh. them any credit. Wow. I, I feel like I don't have to hand it to them at all. Uh, well, with you have to hand it to them and, quite literally never having a losing record, Denny. I know. I don't want to understand how. I don't understand it. No, they keep getting away with it. We keep getting away with extending a show that is clearly over. It's over. Um so, Denny, thank you so much for promoting my article. Thank you for, for grilling me. Of course. Uh, I, I like my moment in the sun. I love it. Uh, <laughs> give me more, please. Uh, give me the, uh, all the dopamine, please. Yeah, all thank the you. dopamine. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. Thank you in advance. If you happen to go check it out and read it, we'll be back later this week with Kyle DeVore. Or no, actually, we're not. He's on the road. Uh, we need to find a guest. <laughs> uh, we'll if you'd back. like to be on the podcast, let yeah. us know. We'll be back later this week. We will not be back on Memorial Day, by the way. Little housekeeping note. Uh, Denny, quote, didn't want to work on, quote, a federal <laughs> holiday that I, quote, have to have off. And uh, we needed to take a day off. Yeah. So we'll be back on Thursday. We won't be back next Monday. For Denny, I'm Pat. Thank you for listening. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.